people, 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 like I always say, no Trevor, no problem. And it's because of you and you and you and you. Yes, on today's episode of Locked On Canucks, we're just running comment corner, okay? A lot of you want to talk about Philip Aronik. You want to talk about the, uh, the, what, the best line in hockey, possibly calling Vancouver home. And bonus, yes, bonus, some prospect talk from other people who love the NHL. In segment number two, let's do it again, you and I. Locked on Canucks. Your Locked on Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Locked on Canucks. My name is Kyle Bowen, but more importantly, this is the show where we give you your Canucks every day day okay i think the people at the top and rightfully so they want us to say your team every day but who cares about those other teams okay for real go canucks go and as always noted love us or hate us it's all good because again we are all locked on canucks i mean canucks make sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us wherever you stream your podcast Unbelievable. Trevor Beggs, not here today, in Prince George, the place they call PG. And let me tell you something, okay? There's a zero, yes, zero percent chance that Trevor Beggs keeps it PG this weekend, okay? We're talking about a father alone with his boys in good old Prince George. And I'll say it again, that dude has the best of friends ever assembled. And I got good friends, but when I'm around his people, I get a little bit jealous. A little bit. And if my homies are listening to this, I'm not really that sorry, okay? Because the truth, the truth matters. And the truth is, no Trevor, no problem. Because again, we got you and you, and you and you, and you and you. Leaving comments and giving us prompts, okay? That's what the, that's what the children are calling it these days, prompts. So let's get right into it, okay, on Locked on Canucks and run Comet Corner for the rest of the show, kind of. More on that in 10 minutes. Anyways, one, two, three. Let's go. Welcome to Comet Corner. How about paraphrasing? This comment comes from a person who cooks. More people need to be talking about Horonic being blown up by Ryan Reeves. If I'm a Canucks fan, I'm concerned about future concussions and not his shoulder. Here's the deal. Before we go any further, and this may piss off the podcast listeners, I'm sorry. Just visualize, okay? Use your imagination. But yeah, before we continue, we got to see the hit. Uh, We got to refresh our memories, okay? For real. So let's do that. And this is courtesy of what? TNT. Let's see it. Minnesota team last year set franchise records for wins. Oh, look out. Big hit by Reeves. Laid him up. Oh, man. He just absolutely... Yeah, he's looking the other way, and then it's right there. His eyes never looked at Reeves. Yeah, where, where is the principal point of contact here? Yeah, you see him take a quick look yeah. there, Jonesy, and that's I, what threw him off. I know. And in that part of the ice, yeah, boy, he looks to the left this. right there. And this. Damn. Damn. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. But that was, that was tough. And this is when you know I already love Philip Peronic, okay? Because that hurt me. 
that hurt me. He was wearing another jersey, but since he's, bec since he's become one of us, that hit my soul. Never want to see any of my brothers go through something like that because that was arguably one of the hardest 50 hits I have ever seen in my life. Am I wrong on that? Uh, let me know in the comments. This all being said, if we're worried about Heronic possibly getting concussed again and how a second one could do... Actually, I got to take that back. He, he didn't even... He didn't even get a concussion based on the reports, right? I feel as if he wanted to play the very next period or whatnot. He wanted to come back in the game, and I don't think I saw any reports of a concussion. I could be wrong on that. But he doesn't have one. We're just assuming, right? Because we're watching the impact, and we've been there before. But anywho, seeing that could make us concerned about future head injuries. But if we're, if we're holding on to that, then we got to hold on that fact with a guy like Pedersen who yeah do you want to go there because we did years and years and years ago we got scared and I think if we you know stick with the fear then we don't want guys like Pedersen doing the most right because when you do the most you're susceptible to more impact to more contact but Pedersen is the way he is because he does the most He goes in. I'm not worried about Philip Ronick's potential head injury courtesy of that hit or even his real shoulder injury that he suffered last year in practice, I think, with Detroit. That kept him out, okay? The Canucks, again, traded for a guy with one arm. I'm not scared of that, though, because I, I, can't, I, I can't do that. Not this year. Uh, this is the year where I want the impossible to happen because I care about the West Coast, the best coast of Canada. I want hope to be filled in their hockey lives, and I want everything to go right. And if everything goes right, that means Philip Ronick is that number two D-man. And if, if that's the case, like he's a really solid number two D-man. His stats from last year, his metrics weren't a lie. He's that guy. He's taking the step, and he's better than expected. If he does that, the Canucks are in good shape, a lot better shape, okay? I think he pushes the needle if, again, everything goes right and Philip Peronic is better than expected and builds off what some call a very lucky, lucky season. Hey, speaking, speaking of which, uh, let's get to the next segment. Into the comment corner. How about paraphrasing? This comment comes from Vince from Detroit. Hey brothers, just gotta let you know, Aronic needs a defensive first partner, or else you guys are in trouble. He relied heavily on Ali Mata last season. So if you don't got one of him, Aronic doesn't Mata. Here's the deal. I can't, I can't speak for everyone here, but I'm pretty sure a lot of us did not watch a lot of Detroit Red Wing games last season. They didn't watch the Philip Aronic tape, okay? Shift to shift, because that matters. For top four, top two D-man, the shift to shift matters, not just the highlight package. So when I get comments like this, I feel a little off because even though I don't know this person commenting, their award is better than mine. Okay, Kyle Bowne on Locked on Canucks because, again, not watching a lot of 
Philip Ronick. And it seems to be not the case with, again, this commenter, the one saying that Ronick needs a lot of defensive stability beside him. And maybe a lot is too strong of a word, right? We're talking about him playing with Ali Matt, if that was the truth. Anywho, I don't believe it because I don't want to. I want to believe that he's that damn good. And he's great shift to shift, no matter who, no matter who he plays with. Consistent. Because of what he is individually as a hockey player. Anyways, next comment. Welcome to Comment Corner. Powerback paraphrasing. This comment comes from Harpoon. Hey fellas, Kuzmenko can get 40 in his sleep, and I don't think Besser deserves to be in the top six, let alone the top line, unless he's training like Brock Lesnar this summer. Give Pot Colson the opportunity ASAP. This one made me think a lot on the drive over to the studio, because uh, there you have somebody believing that a guy like Kuzmenko, a second-year player in the NHL, can get to 40 in his sleep. He can do it easily. And as noted yesterday, yes, yesterday on that episode, right? Your team every day. We pulled off a quick one, gave you a 13-minute episode on guys like Kuzmenko and Besser and how they could exceed expectations. We noted that, yeah. Yeah, we noted that the uh, the shooting percentage is, is legendary from last year, okay? May not happen again. There's a good chance of that. A guarantee. We also noted that he can still put up, yes, put up the same same damage if he shoots the puck a lot more. I know he tapped in a lot of empty netters and was in great position and went to the gritty areas more than we expected. Now maybe that's a huge part of his game. Maybe that's the majority of his offensive game, his goal-scoring game. And maybe that shot that was talked about so much isn't the way Kuzmenko gets the most work done. I tend to believe that is a bit of an outlier. I think what he did last year and how he produced was cool, was great, but there's even more to the table. And I think he's going to still include those parts to his toolkit, but again, with more comfortability and another year in the show and another year playing with Pedersen and being that intelligent because... Kuzmenko has that IQ. Uh, that will all add up to him being a little bit more confident, which is ironic to say, and have him shooting the puck a lot more. I think Kuzmenko is going to duplicate slash exceed off of what he did last season. Now, Brock Besser, good note on the offseason, right? And I think we've heard about Brock and Vancouver, and staying here in the summer, and training, and uh, Rick Tockett talked about how he does see another gear in that player. He's seen glimpses, or a glimpse, of Besser skating faster than normally, and all in all, Tockett wants this guy to do the most in the offseason to prepare to bring that level of intensity more often than not. 
And that in itself will unlock another gear to the man's game. And this dude, oh, you want to talk about IQ and, and intelligence? Uh, Brock Besser has proven it, right? He's proven it. Don't have to notice him a lot, but still puts up the points. And over the last couple of seasons, I don't know how much of that was really really stemming from playing with Pedersen because he was all over the lineup, but still able to produce and get on the sheet. So yeah, if there's another gear that's unlocked this offseason and he's ready to go, boom, bam, Brock Besser could be back. Hey, the optimism, evident on the program. And Brock, just another, another year later, time to... I don't want to say heal a wound. One love to Brock Bastion and the family. But just more time to grieve and learn and adapt. That's That's got to do the most. And uh, again, we're sending a lot of love to Brock around this time. It's it, You know what? It, it is a bit ironic because, what, six weeks ago, five weeks ago, we're talking about moving him, trading him, and just options, right? The Canucks and Cap Hell. And then today... You know, we're wishing, well, I'm wishing in the best. I think it's not, it's not that surprising because tomorrow is my father's birthday. So one love to Brock Besser. One love to you listening to this and watching this, sending you a lot of peace. Again, listening to Locked On Canucks, love us or hate us, it doesn't matter. We are all locked on. I mean, uh, we are all Canucks. On the other side, we're going to switch things up, okay, for like, what, 10 minutes, 13 minutes? I don't know how long this video is, but we had the dudes. Yes, the dudes. From Locked On, talk about NHL prospects, and they spent 10 to 12 minutes talking about the 24th ranked prospect pool in the NHL, according to them, and that position belongs to your Vancouver Canucks. So let's get to that on the program, Locked On Canucks. I got a shout out FanDuel, okay? Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you could spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. By the way, before we get back to the show, I got to remind you again that every episode of Locked on Canucks will be available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcatcher at 4.20 p.m. for no reason at all. Again, every episode of Locked on Canucks at 4.20 p.m. for no reason at all. Let's get back to the show. Hey, this is just a reminder that the following is from the Locked on NHL Prospects podcast from Haiti, Kalakeshi, and Sebastian High. Enjoyed their evaluation of the Canucks and their prospects. Alrighty, so let's get into Vancouver's prospect pool. Now, they made a pretty controversial ad in uh, last year's draft at 11th overall. I don't know if I would have picked him 11th, but I definitely like the player in Tom Belander. Yeah. Belander is, for me, outside of, I mean, if you were looking for David Reinbacher and David Reinbacher was gone, I mean, 
Tom Volander is a great, great constellation prize if you're looking for a, a projectable, good rush defending, great skating, right-handed defenseman with decent size. I mean, just I, I've I've always come more impressed with every viewing of Volander. I had him in my top twenty, and I was very comfortable with that. Um, but I know you had him very, very high. I think you had him one notch below Ryan Bucker or right above. One notch Something. above, but that was more of a yeah. statement ranking than, like, I think they were a toss-up, uh, and yeah. I kind of just wanted to put, I wanted, I wanted to give a little push on Volander because uh, he, he'd been ranked below Ryan Bucker for the entire season, and I kind of just yeah. wanted to make a little statement on, on my belief in him. Yeah. I ranked him 15th overall. Uh, yeah. I think that in Volander, the Canucks are getting a future top four right shot defenseman who... Mm-hmm is already tremendously well-rounded and yep. so, so projectable. Mm-hmm. But I also think that he has some significant growing room left ahead of him uh, where he could really unlock some intriguing offensive potential that could really raise that upside to maybe number two level. So mm-hmm. uh, he, he's a player whose who's game is, is really built on his mobility, intelligence, and defensive responsibility. Yep. He is really smart he he keeps really tight gaps he has great footwork he can he can match uh forwards footwork with ease going backwards like absurd skating it's ridiculous the the skating is is a real asset and Mm -hmm. i think it could be a separating tool at the nhl level if it continues on his current trajectory uh he, he with the puck he's a really strong passer uh, he he finds really good lanes. He creates lanes for himself when he's in movement. When he's not in movement, he can be a bit more deer in the headlights. So he has to work on that a little bit. <laughs> Inside the offensive zone, there are flashes of him wanting to create, but he's hesitant to really pinch above the hash marks. That said, this is the player that's going to be, going to be playing with Lane Hudson this season. He's yep. going to learn how to activate offensively, just like Lane Hudson's likely going to learn how to pivot more effectively. I think that those two players are going to complement each other's growth tremendously well. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I think that that BU is a tremendous place for Velander to be. Mm-hmm. Great as Rugla is as a development place. I don't I don't know. Is it, is it better than being able to play with Lane Hudson? I'm not I, sure. I, I, I would take Rugla above anything, honestly, most of the time. Rugla Reg- is, is excellent. For sure. They're a fantastic program. I do agree, though, that having Lane Hudson on your pair... Um, with, and, with... and it'll be Cole Hudson after that. Like... <laughs> exactly. Like, especially for a player as as particular in terms of what he needs to learn as Villander and have having him play with Hudson, who has such a particular style as well, and have yeah. them both have weaknesses that the other has as a strength. It's just, it's, it's perfect. They're very complimentary. Exactly. And beyond that, it's just, you know, for sure that one's going to learn from the other. That's for sure. I mean, both of them are smart enough in order to study the other's game, appreciate what they do well and incorporate that, which is just going to be very interesting to watch. I'd be very interested in seeing how far Villander comes in the areas that are missing in his game, just by pure result of being on Lane Hudson's line and studying him every day. And his development curve too. Like I thought, yeah. Volander improved so much in the late run of last oh, season. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. there's a re- like there's a reason that he was rocking up everyone's board, and it wasn't just that his U18 performance was amazing. It was his late like regular season games were equally impressive, yep. and and he was really really improving as the year was going on. And mm-hmm. 
I thought that he was getting a lot closer to ASP than I thought that he would uh, yeah. throughout like Asasani Pelica, who went to Detroit, uh, mm-hmm. who went a bit later, but who, uh, in my opinion, was the, the better of the two players. But yeah. I do think it was a lot closer than 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 many other public scouts uh, may may have thought. For sure. Uh, that said, I can't quite rationalize picking Valander over a guy like Zach Benson. However, I don't think that, that he is at all a bad pick or a reach at 11. I thought it was a perfectly fine selection. I know a lot of mm-hmm. people were really, really skeptical about it, mm-hmm. but I'm a really big believer in Volander and think that he's a tremendous prospect. Absolutely. So am I. It's just the thing that stings is exactly that. It's the fact it's that Benson. Zach Benson was right there. Because Benson. Any yeah. day of the week, you take Benson above uh, Villander for me. And it's just the fact that he was yeah. available that muddles things. And that's really the, the thing that stings, especially for Canucks fans, is just the fact that they missed out on one of the most projectable players out of this draft um, in, in, in Zach Benson. I just, it, it's very interesting to me that they went in this direction. But at the same time, I understand the, the desire to compliment Quinn Hughes on the top line eventually. And I feel like if you develop Villander correctly, that's what you're getting out of him is a perfect compliment to Quinn Hughes. Um, but time will tell with the, with him and especially with Benson, who even though he's projectable, might need a bit of time in order he, to convince. He needs more time than Villander. Villander's more sure. refined. Exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. And and it's just you know that's the main thing that kind of separates the two. And I think that you know I understand the argument for the Canucks staff in, in terms of taking Villander above him. It's just for me, you never pick for need in the top. 15 of the draft you always pick the best player available and for me it was by far zach benson I agree. um but time will tell with that um i did want to talk about another right-handed defenseman that the canucks selected in the last year's draft in hunter bristavitz bristavitz is a guy I've, I've watched a lot over the last year and a half um what you're getting out of bristavitz is a very very good breakout passer and puck mover you know in, in terms of profile you're getting a puck moving defenseman for sure out of Bristevitz. that's what you're going to try to develop out of him the issue with Bristevitz, and it's the main thing that kept him outside of my first round even though he he was there sporadically in the in the bottom half uh, in the bottom kind of tier of my first round um at the start of the year was the more i watched him the more i saw a lot of very concerning passiveness i thought it was just a bit of inconsistency because he did show some flashes of it at the start of the year but the more i watched him the more i realized that 90% of the time He's not activating. He's not necessarily rushing into gaps to close them. He's not reading the game in order to understand exactly when to push the pace because all he's trying to do is sit back and let the play develop so he can kind of react to play, which is not what you want out of a very good skating kind of puck moving guy. You want him tracking back hard, closing gaps early. That's what you want out of your puck moving defenseman. That's, for me, Brasavis's biggest weakness and that's what makes him a bit harder to project is that his biggest weakness is an area that you absolutely need as a puck mover. So for me, that's the main thing with Prestavitz. And I've been impressed with some views of him, especially with the ability to manipulate lanes, to, to, to read those second or third passing lanes that other defensemen that don't necessarily read. Um, that's been pretty interesting to me, but he'll need a lot of work in terms of his defensive projectability in terms of his gap control his rush defending in order to be as effective a puck mover as he is uh, on the puck because the moment he loses it it's a bit of a deer in the headlight situation so that's one thing that really needs to improve other than him i think the addition of after route to this prospect pool really helps the canucks sure. um th- that trade i feel like they came away you know pretty decently you know trading away a player who probably wasn't going to resign for them anyway and 
getting a probably the I mean definitely the best prospect in the Isles pool, which is it's not saying much, but still. But true, but, yeah. Yeah. So what's your read on round two so far? Uh, I know he dropped a lot in his draft year. He went to this it went in the second round, and since then he's proved a lot of people wrong, right? I think I had him ranked around 14th overall that year. I definitely thought he was a clear first round talent. Um, mm -hmm. That said, his progression as a D plus one was hilarious to me because uh, I was kind of for my my I think I had like like three viewings of him in his draft year, which was less than most public scouts. I was still getting into it, but yeah. I like what I saw. I thought I saw a really intelligent, defensively responsible centerman who had a really good shot, but didn't always know how to use it, and exactly. uh, was expected to be the superstar when he just isn't. He's a subtly effective, good player. So I think the superstar expectation on him in the, in his draft year really weighed on him because it just isn't how he plays the game. No, exactly. However, at this point in time, I, I continue liking his projection a lot. I still think he projects as a middle six centerman. Uh, he's, he's, his intelligence has continued to progress. I think that he's uh, continued to improve his decision-making speed uh, and he's translated to North America very, very well. Uh, the pr the production hasn't been the most consistent throughout his, his time in the AHL, but mm -hmm. I have liked the viewings that I've gotten, uh, and some of them have been in passing, but as a whole, it's been very, very positive. So I, I, this isn't a player that is going to be the savior of the Canucks franchise, but mm -hmm. he's a really solid prospect, and to get a middle six projected center as a piece of that Bo Horvat return, I think was excellent business. Absolutely. And a quick word for me uh, from uh, on Jonathan Lakaramaki, who for me after the draft showed a lot of the issues that I was concerned with um, in his draft year and that led me to rank him in kind of the bottom half of the 20 range um, rather than the top 15 ranking that he was on a lot of boards. For me, Lakaramaki doesn't have a B game. If his scoring doesn't translate, it's not going to work out for him. And it's so far in his in his draftless one year in the Al Svenskan, which is a lower level than he was playing in his draft year. It's been difficult for him. Um, he he did have a decent amount of goals, but for me, it's just when you watch the actual games themselves and see how it breaks down and just the lack of involvement defensively, the lack of playmaking game. I wasn't as impressed uh, with what Lakaramaki was able to do um, at the at the Elsvenskan level. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a really weird season for him, though, because like he, yeah. he he had with three goals and nine points in the Elsvenskan in mm -hmm. twenty nine games, and mm -hmm. then during the qualification for the SHL, he went in with five goals and. 15 points in 15 games like he, yeah. he he definitely stepped it up and i think mm -hmm. i think the reality for him is somewhere in between those two uh mm -hmm. productions but uh this is also a player that i had ranked i think 26 to 28th overall uh in mm -hmm. 2022 so like you i was a bit more of a skeptic on the goal yeah. scoring i like a guy like joachim kumel a lot more just because he had the b game of the physicality and the checking yeah. game Whereas with Lakaramaki, yes, he is a strong handler and has a ridiculous shot. But as you said, there isn't that fallback game. And mm -hmm. especially with, with Vancouver, like who would be who would he be playing with in, in the NHL that, yeah, that that's could the compliment thing. him really, really well? Like that's if, the thing. if the Canucks had a high end playmaking center coming up mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't Elias Pedersen, I'd be a lot more hopeful. Because yeah. I, I think that there'd be a better fit there, but mm. as of right now, I, I'm more hopeful now than I was like four or five months ago when he was like in like the deep dark, uh, no production time in the Allsvenskan. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I still have a, a couple doubts, especially considering where he's drafted.
Absolutely. And a quick, quick word on uh, just a shout out really on some of the players that we haven't mentioned. I think Eli- Elias Pedersen, the other one, the defenseman is <laughs> looking really good in terms of the project production. Um, I feel like he's going to become a very good uh, rush defender at the NHL level, probably number five, number six. I'm not convinced of the top four potential, but you never know. Um, and a couple other guys in Aiden McDonough and Arshdeep Baines, who I've really liked watching um, tape of, especially McDonough in his final year in the NCAA was really impressive. He's had a decent um, a kind of uh, d- development and has played six games in the NHL, scored a goal, um, looking pretty good so far. And one more in Damon Gardner, who I really like um, uh, as a defensive center type of player. Uh, we haven't mentioned Daniela Klimovich, but I'm I'm kind of on and off on him. My product, my my, I, I've I've gone I've fluctuated really on my read of him. Uh, but those are kind of the players that we find interesting enough, and there's enough depth in multiple areas in the in the Canucks prospect pool that they outrank the Rangers and Oilers for us. Okay, okay, okay. You're back. Your team every day. Your Canucks every day. Locked on Canucks. Shout out to uh, shout out to the people, man. Uh, locked on, right? Uh, one thing I've learned from this team is is not only the consistency, but the cooperation. And that's a beautiful thing. That's how the that's how the world moves. It moves fluidly. Okay, cooperate, learn to work together, and don't litter. Don't litter. If you're listening to this and you're gonna spend some time outside. It, the sun is shining on the West Coast, right? You're probably going to the beach. Don't let her. Start there. Stop thinking about yourself if you're one of those people who can't walk to a garbage can and throw your garbage. Okay? Anyways, Locked on Canucks, your team every day. Uh, let's run a couple more comments before we uh, ride off into the weekend, okay? Welcome to the Corner. paraphrasing. This comment comes from a number of people. Guys, there's a problem. Too many Swedish players, not enough wins. We got a ton of this energy on that episode about Jonathan Lakaramaki earlier this week. And even though it sounds super harsh and a bit too much, and, you know, when I read things like this, I'm like, yo, it's not that deep. It's not that deep. I still get it, though, because these conversations right here are about your Vancouver Canucks, the same team that's been around for 50-plus years, and it's the same team that's not been to more than three conference finals in those 50-plus years. As often said on the program, this is not Arizona, and that is not good enough. It's embarrassing, to be honest, the history that is. Collectively, it is. In the sports bar, it's really nothing to brag about. And for people like us, that matters. This all being said, it's not that deep. You can win with Swedish players, and a lot of them. And I think I say say this so openly, even knowing that, again, these teams have been led, well, my Canucks, by the Naslins, the Sedins, and now the EP40s, right? Prominent Swedish players, and, and more. And not a lot of winning, if not any. I get it. But I can also believe that you can do it with Swedish players because growing up, the most dominating player, the anomaly, the outlier of our generation back in the day, in my opinion, was Peter Forsberg. The best player in hockey. 
And you know who was the other best player in hockey during that time and longer and more consistently because, you know, he spent a lot of time on the ice? Nicholas Littstrom. You know what those two guys did? They won cups. Not cup. Cups. So, yeah. Next comment. Welcome to Comment Corner. How am I paraphrasing? This comment comes from Rob. What happened, Trevor? You couldn't find anyone better than this prince impersonator? Anyways, <laughs> I wish the aliens kept him. I'm going to end things off by talking about my dad once more. Okay, happy birthday to my pops. Sending love to all the fathers out there. One love to Begsy. I remember reading the Prince autobiography, like finishing it at the hospital. Uh, yes, at the hospital while I was with my dad, who suffered some sort of crazy back injury after what I'm assuming was a crazy night of partying. Okay? It's just the truth. I believe it was January 1st, and this guy sprained his back, and it was, it was tough to see because he was in severe pain because he probably went too hard the night before. Life, man. Anyways, he's in pain. Uh, we're at the hospital, and I'm finishing the autobiography, The Beautiful Ones. And if anyone wants a book to read over the weekend, because you can do this in a weekend. It's written so differently and constructed in a way that I've never really seen an autobiography constructed read the beautiful ones one of the best to ever do it prince now over the last couple of months on the program and it's been it's been beautiful so blessed to do this uh the studio don't doze we appreciate this opportunity right talking to the city it's what it's it's what it's all about and through the, the first couple of months i've been compared to eric cartman and prince Locked on Canucks, okay? You're Canucks every day. And that was another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us wherever you stream your podcast. Uh, man, oh man, send, send Trevor a lot of love, okay? I've uh, been doing a lot for the team over the last couple of months. Doing the most, to be honest. It's not that deep, Trevor. It's just a Canucks show, but you're putting uh, your family to the side. You're growing family to the side for at least like an hour a day, and that's... That's dope, man. We lucky to have you, and uh, we want you to enjoy yourself this weekend while you're with the best set of friends. Again, these friends in an alternate universe are definitely a part of the greatest television show ever assembled. A lot of love and a lot of individuality. Do the math. You're allowed to be yourself when you're with Trevor Beggs, and etc. That expands. Those guys some real, real beautiful people. Hey, you! Yes, the listener and viewer, y'all beautiful too, okay? We're sending you a lot of peace over the weekend. Enjoy the sun. Don't litter and have a good morning, a good afternoon, a good night. We don't know when you're watching this episode of Locked on Canucks, but we appreciate it. Peace.